but needs crutches to get up to do so. Alzheimer's, too, affects different parts of the brain in different people, despite the fact that almost everyone with the disease eventually develops significant memory problems. So Mary's driving skills may have been unaffected by her Alzheimer's, even though she may have trouble finding words. And Jack may have had some fender benders as the result of his Alzheimer's, despite remaining the life of the party. Jill's Alzheimer's may progress rapidly and aggressively, while Mike's might progress slowly. Unfortunately, the differences between the various subcategories of Alzheimer's are lost when patients get tossed into the general diagnostic inbox. Although some patients with Alzheimer's become completely immobilized, most patients on the spectrum are living in the community babysitting a grandchild, finishing up chores, or possibly even running for President of the United States, as we will read later. However, because Alzheimer's is still a poorly understood disease, and because one's recall bias tends toward severe cases, the people we remember with the condition are often mute and using a wheelchair, suffering from advanced illness. When we think about the condition, we will not recall the absent-minded storekeeper or the lawyer who did a good job with cross-examining the witness on the stand. We have not yet learned to associate Alzheimer's disease with functioning individuals, although this is, in fact, the majority of patients. Time and again, patients and caregivers who are worried about the potential ravages of Alzheimer's or another form of dementia make decisions based on fear or emotion rather than on facts. I've come to realize that it is not only patients and family who react in this manner to a diagnosis of dementia. Physicians and other health caregivers do, too. I have been as guilty of this as anyone else. Patients themselves, confused and unsure about what to expect, may decide to fold up their lives like used notebooks and file themselves away. In allowing this to happen, we are doing ourselves and society a disservice, depriving patients with dementia and their communities of years of fulfillment, pleasure, and purpose-driven lives. As I mentioned, I view Alzheimer's as a spectrum disorder. Furthermore, Alzheimer's is a multifactorial disease, which means that there can be many reasons that someone develops symptoms. In some cases, genetics may play a role, but lifestyle choices and myriad other factors can also lead to the condition. That one of a set of identical twins can get Alzheimer's while the other stays healthy is testament to this fact. Because so many factors can contribute to a person developing symptoms, and because Alzheimer's presents differently in each person, I believe in a treatment approach that is tailored to the person and the subtype of disease they have. One size does not fit all for diabetes or strokes, which are other multifactorial illnesses, and one size does not fit all for Alzheimer's. In the 16 chapters that follow, I address a variety of common issues that come up in the care of patients with Alzheimer's and other dementias.
and attempt to answer the many poignant questions that I have been asked over the years. Should I tell my family and friends about my diagnosis? A grandfather of four asks. I love what I do. Can I keep working? Asks a surgeon. Can I stay in my apartment, or do I have to move into a home? Wonders an 80-year-old woman without any family. Should my children take over my finances? Asks the meticulous accountant. Who says I can't drive? Asks Mary. If it's not safe for mom to drive, how can I tell her in a way that doesn't break her spirit? Mary's daughter asks. Alan has become paranoid, his wife tells me. He thinks I am stealing his money. Why would I do that after forty years of a marriage? It makes me so sad that he would think that. What should I do? She screams when she...